Uh, I, I promise you every Sunday you're going to need your Bible. If you ever have to wonder, am I going to need my Bible today in church? The answer is always yes, because the first time I'm not in God's Word, that's my last Sunday, right, Jim? So you're done. Yeah, we, we don't need your opinion. We want to see what God's Word has to say. So you'll always need it. If you don't have one, you need one, see me. I'll, uh, I'll make sure that we get you one. So that will always be true. Um, I want to go back a few years. It's uh, February 2002. Remember, in September of 2001, 9-11 uh, happened. So the country was still in kind of war mode, and are we going to get attacked again? Um, I had the opportunity to attend the uh, National Presidential Prayer Breakfast. Uh, and uh, I, just by grace, because I knew somebody, uh, they said, where do you want to sit? And I, I looked, and I said, uh, can I sit right next to Chuck Colson? He's one of my heroes. Uh, Chuck is now with the Lord. Uh, I didn't know Chuck. He didn't know me. I probably said five words to the man because I just wanted to listen. So that's what I mostly did. Um, and next to Chuck over here was the ambassador to France. And on this side over here was the ambassador from the Vatican. And it's like all these people, and it's like, wow. And after it's over, milling around were lots of admirals and and generals and senators and over there's Hillary Clinton and uh, I saw Kenneth Starr and Pat Robertson and it's like wow and then I saw kind of on the other side um, there was lots of people around this this person I recognized and he was the Attorney General at the time and his name was John Ashcroft and he was kind of talking and and at that time after 9-11 whole lots of things were going on with the attorney general and and how to protect america so i thought i'd like to hear what he's saying over there so here was my idea i'm going to kind of just walk over there the other side uh and i'm just going to kind of get behind him and listen and, and hear what he's saying kind of eavesdrop well anyway i i start walking toward him and I, and I did notice there was these three very large people around him, uh, and they had stuff in their ears, but I didn't really click with me. So I'm, I'm moving towards them, and as I come and get about maybe 10 feet from him, the two big guys close, and, and they both looked at me, and they both shook their head. And I said, oh, I get it. You know, he can be taught. So I, I went back to my table, and... and uh, I was going to mind my own business. Uh, I, I just realized uh, you're not going near him. We've had threats. Uh, you, you, the trappings of power were clearly there, and it was quite impressive. Um, but what's interesting is the real mover and shaker had already left the building. President Bush had come, and he spoke, and he was there, but he was already long gone, this was just one of the lieutenants. This is just one of the uh, underlings of President Bush. But I just want you to know, even with the lieutenant, they, they had the big guys with the stuff in their ear, and, and you weren't going to mess because this was somebody important. Um, Revelation chapter 10, we're going to be introduced to one of the lieutenants of Jesus Christ. And... I just want you to know the lieutenant that we're going to look at is very impressive. Uh, matter of fact, 
He's so impressive, many people are a little confused to who this could be. But I just want you to know, this mighty angel that we're going to look at, one that's been created by King Jesus, is powerful and forceful and compelling. And, and you just need to know. But, but he's, he's got a boss, and he's got a master, and he is a king and a lord and a creator, and that's Jesus Christ. So let that just soak in as we look at Revelation chapter 10. This is just one of the underlings of the man, the king, the boss, Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? We're going to read all 11 verses out loud of Revelation chapter 10. Here we go. Dan will put it up here for us. Let's uh, out loud read together. Here we go. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the seas and his left foot on the land, and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven say, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen, standing on the sea and on the land, raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said, There will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more, Go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who's standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it, and it will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for uh, giving us glimpses of your awesomeness. Thank you for uh, giving us uh, little pictures of your almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing self. And Lord, we recognize that as the creator and the controller of the universe, it's good for us to gather in your church and acknowledge who we are and who you are. And uh, Lord, we just realize that uh, uh, when we come here today as your children, uh, many of us come with problems and struggles and burdens and confusion. So Lord, uh, we're grateful that we uh, can compare our struggles and our circumstances 
with you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, on the throne even today. Uh, Lord, we're grateful that you've told us in your book that we don't have to carry these burdens and the pain and the struggles um, and the confusion around with us. You've told us that we can throw all of our anxieties on you. So right now we want to do that. We just want to take just this moment and whatever it is that's weighing us down, whatever is causing us worry and stress and being overwhelmed, Lord, we lay it on your almighty arms right now. And you've told us as we do that and take our hands off that you'll replace the worry and the anxiety with your peace. What a great exchange, Lord, that, that we can give you the problems, that we can give you what's overwhelming us, and your holy calmness can come and take charge of our hearts, our emotions, our feelings. Your peace can guard our minds, our thinking, our attitudes, our, our motives, our memories. So please do that right now. I, I pray that peace would come and take charge in each and every one of our lives. Give us a fresh view of your majesty this morning. May your word and may your spirit bring encouragement and hope and refreshment and peace to each and every person here in your church today. And all the church gathered at Walloon said with joy, you may be seated, nice job. Verse 1, Revelation 2. Revelation 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun. His legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea, his left foot on the land, he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion when he shouted the voices of the seven thunders spoke. This mighty angel is so powerful, so full of authority, um, so impressive that many are convinced this has to be Jesus. But that, that has to be a picture of Jesus himself. Um, about half the commentators I read, they said, well, we'll just look robe of a cloud, a rainbow around his head, face shining like the sun, legs, fiery pillars, roaring like a lion, verse 3. Uh, surely that must be Jesus. Um, I just want to begin by saying the problem with this being Jesus um, are these. Uh, verse 1, uh, just go back to verse 1, then I saw another Another, the Greek word for another means one of the same kind. Then I saw another one of the same kind of mighty angels in chapter 10. And, and he's referencing this is one of the mighty angels like the one mentioned back in Revelation 5 and verse 2. And like the mighty angel referenced in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 3. And later in Revelation chapter 18 in verse 1. So are you tracking right now? Uh, this is another mighty angel like the one in Revelation 5 and 8 
and 18. Uh, so, so this is a mighty angel like the other mighty angels. This is not Jesus. Second weakness of thinking that this is Jesus. Slide down to verse 6, would you please? Um, because this mighty angel swears an oath to one that is greater than he is. And he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's sitting on the throne. Um, and then, keep going, verse 6, he points to heaven and swears by the one who created the heavens and the earth and the sea. Are you tracking? He swears by the one who created the heavens and the earth and the sea. And Colossians 1, 15 to 17, guess who the one is who created the heavens and the earth and the sea? His name is, anybody, any guesses? Jesus, yeah. So this angel swears on the name of Jesus Christ, who is the creator of the heaven and the earth and the seas. So he's pointing to Jesus as his Lord, as, as the one that he is swearing allegiance to. So this messenger is not Jesus. This is one of the mighty messengers of Jesus, one of his lieutenants, or if you will, this is one of the angels that Jesus created and now serves his bidding. Uh, this, is, this is one of the underlings, one of the chief lieutenants of King Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about angels for a few moments. So if you have your Bible, turn back with me to Hebrews chapter 1, would you? Hebrews chapter 1, um, and it says, To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool? For your feet. In other words, um, angels don't have the authority, they don't have the privilege of the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, Jesus Christ. They're, they're lower than Him. Verse 14, this is where it gets interesting. Are, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? You letting that soak in a little bit? Aren't all angels ministering spirits who've been sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Uh, question, who is it that will inherit salvation? And the answer is, uh, everybody who turns from their sin and believes in Jesus Christ and embraces the cross and the empty tomb, that's how you inherit so you believe those gospel facts. You receive Jesus, the King, as your Savior and Lord. Now, now go back and look at verse 14. Um, angels are sent to serve followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, their job is to minister and serve and protect those who inherit salvation, us, uh, followers of Jesus, they're sent by Jesus to serve and protect and take care of you and me. And, and I don't know about you, but I like that thought. Uh, uh, an angel like there in Revelation chapter 10, uh, he's sent, Henry, to protect us. You know, it's like the biggest, baddest bodyguard there is, you know, and, and he's there to protect us. Uh, go over to Hebrews chapter 13 for a minute. I want to show you another verse. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 
2. This is a little mysterious, but I, I like it. Do not forget to, to be really nice, to show hospitality, to take good care of strangers. Okay? Why? For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to who? Without even knowing it. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were showing hospitality, showing the love and kindness and consideration of Jesus to strangers. And it actually was one of the messengers of Jesus that they were showing the love of Jesus to. And then there's one more verse. You can turn there if you want. Matthew 18.10. Here's what it says. Matthew 18.10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. The idea seems to be that their angels, God's angels, are watching the face of the Lord and saying, uh, is there anything that you want me to do to go and serve and protect and take care of believers in Jesus Christ? It's, it's, they're watching and, and they're ready to serve. They're ready to enforce the plan of Jesus. You just give me the word, Lord, and I'm down there and they're going to be there to protect the little ones. And Jim, that's talking about all of us, not just little kids, uh, the little ones. Um, everywhere in Scripture, everywhere in God's Word, angels are serving at the pleasure of King Jesus. They're, they're under His authority. And angels, uh, anytime someone starts to worship an angel, what does the angel say? No, 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 I'm, I'm not the man. I'm not the one. I'm not the king. I'm not the savior. Don't worship me. And Jesus Christ is pointed to. So track with me. Angels like are the lead worshipers of Jesus. And if you turn to Revelation 5, you can turn there right now. In verse 11, then it says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Now, Susan, I've seen some impressive choirs. I, I really have, and I suspect you've seen even more impressive choirs. And uh, I know Susan used to travel with uh, a pretty impressive group. But um, have you ever seen a choir of 100 million strong? 100, 10,000 times 10, 100 million people, angels, in the choir for King Jesus. And it's like their role is to do nothing but to constantly worship and praise and honor and adore Jesus Christ on the throne. So, wow, 100 million angels strong in that choir. And he's got some of his created messengers, not just worshiping him as their choir, but he's got, it seems like, millions and millions looking out for us and taking care of us. And he's got some mighty messengers, go back to chapter 10 now, verses 1 through 3, who are extra powerful, extra forceful, extra compelling. I don't know what kind of week you just had. I suspect some of you, you come in, you know, and you're overwhelmed, and it feels like nobody cares, and nobody's standing next to you, and nobody's looking out for you. Give me your eyes. Great news. 
first of all, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is on the throne. And he's watching out, and he's enforcing his plan. And, you ready? And he's got like all of these millions of his messengers that are ready to go out on his bidding to enforce his plan. And some of them are like this big guy here in chapter 10. And they're forceful, and they're powerful, and men are they compelling, and they're on King Jesus' side. And part of their duties is to watch out for us. I don't know about you, but, but that's encouraging. And that brings hope. And, oh, I get it. And, Lord, you know what you're doing, and you've got all the forces you need at your disposal to make sure your perfect plan is accomplished. Verse 4. And when the seven thunders spoke, okay, that's the words coming out of the mighty angel. And when the seven thunders spoke out of the mighty angel's mouth, John writes, I was about to write it down. But I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said. And uh, John, don't write it down. So the mighty angel speaks seven thunders. You ever have, like in the middle of the night, like uh, there's a thunderstorm, and like right outside your bedroom, it feels like it hit the tree right outside your bedroom window. Has that happened? You know, and, and it's like, boom! It's like, what's going on? And the whole house shakes. You've got, you got my attention there, Mr. Thunder. That's the idea. Uh, everybody's paying attention to this mighty angel. And out of his it sounds like thunder. And everybody's sitting up and listening. And now John seems to hear and understand what the mighty angel has thundered. It's like John says, I get it. I understand what you've just said by thundering out those words to us. And now he's about to write it down. And, and then the voice from heaven says, uh, John, put your pen down. Uh, I don't want you to write down what you've just heard from the seven thunders. In 2 Corinthians 12, in verse 4, the Apostle Paul is shown a portion of heaven, and he hears what he says are inexpressible things that he is not permitted to talk about. So Paul said, I was shown some stuff, and... I can't even talk about it. I was told you may not talk about what you've seen and experienced and heard. So it seems, 2 Corinthians 12, 4, Paul is shown a portion of heaven and it's too wonderful for us to know in advance. And now it seems like here in John, excuse me, Revelation chapter 10, that John has heard something that's too awful. For us to know in advance. Um, so what is it that he's heard that he can't write down? Are you ready? We don't know. <laughs> we, we, we don't know. He, he, he wasn't allowed to write it down. Um, and and I, I'm just telling you, it's funny because you read, it's, it's amazing how many people are guessing and they're guessing, oh, I think here's what, what he was forbidden to write down. And the truth is, no, we don't know. Because we weren't permitted to know what exactly was being said by this mighty angel. 
Jesus has chosen not to reveal that to us. And I think we just have to say we don't need to know everything. It's okay that there are things that have happened and will happen that Jesus has said, you know what, um, for whatever reason, you don't need to know it. And we have to be humble and dependent on Him and, and believe He knows best. Verse 5. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever who created the heavens and all that is in them the earth and all that's in it the sea and all that is in it and said there will be no more what? No more delay. But the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Okay. Before we get into this, I want you to go back to chapter 9. We looked at that last week. Would you look at the last two verses? Just want to remind you, because um, you've got to understand what just happened, and that relates to right here. In verses 20 and 21, um, we've got trumpets sounding and the Lord unleashes the abyss and demons do horrible, nasty, uh, evil things. And then verse 20, and after all that had happened, it says mankind refused to repent of their sin. No, I'm not turning to you, Jesus. I think I'm right and you're wrong. I refuse to repent. And then it lists, they continue in their demonic worship. They continue in idol worship, worshiping man-made stuff. They continue murdering one another. Uh, look at verse 21. They continue their magic arts, pharmakia, uh, pharmacy, chemicals, literally. Uh, they refuse to repent of their alcohol and their drugs. It says they refuse to repent of their sexual immorality. Well, what's he talking about there? Are you ready? Porneia is anything outside the boundaries of marriage between a husband and you know, any sexual stuff that goes on outside of a husband and wife relationship, that's sexual immorality. And they refuse. No, we're going to keep on doing whatever we want sexually, and they keep on stealing from one another. So now the mighty angel is marching out, verses 5 to 7, one foot on land and the other foot on the sea, and he raises his hand to heaven, and he swears in the name of Jesus Christ. He's the king on the throne. I swear in the name of Jesus who is the creator of heaven and earth and the sea. Verse 6, look at it, there will be no more delay. Judgment time is now. <laughs> the seventh trumpet, he said, is about to be blown. And here's what you need to know, you ready? The seventh trumpet consists of seven bowls. Gets poured out, one bowl, one right after the other. And he says, no more delay, the seventh trumpet is about to blow and the judgment and the wrath of God Almighty is going to be poured out. And here's what's going to happen. You ready? Give me your eyes. Jesus is going to take back possession of what he's created. He, he's about to take back possession of planet Earth. And all of the evil inhabitants of Earth are going to be evicted. 
And some of them don't want to be evicted, but they will be forcefully evicted by King Jesus. And that's what he's saying. This is the mystery that we've been looking for. Verse 7, the mystery of God is about to be accomplished. Well, what's the mystery of God? Well, the Old Testament prophets look forward to the day when the king would come and sit on his throne and get rid of Satan and sin and demonic activity. The Gospels look forward to the day Jesus is going to rule and reign and be king of kings and the lion, and he'll rule perfectly. The writers of the epistles look forward to the day when Jesus would rule and reign. No more sin, no more Satan. Are you ready? Verse 7, look at it. The mystery is about to be revealed. And what's the mystery? Jesus is going to sweep away all the evil, all the sin. He's going to even the score. He's going to right all the wrongs. He's going to punish the evil. And that time, look at verse 7, has arrived. All of time has been for, pointing forward to this day. All of time, all prophecy in the Bible is looking forward to this day. Sin and evil are about to be destroyed. And, and the mighty angel says, no more delay, here it goes, verse 8. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Um, Go and take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the mighty angel who's standing on the sea and on the land. So, John says, I went to the angel and I asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said, take it and eat it. Um, It's going to turn your stomach sour. But in your mouth it will be as sweet as what? I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. And it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I'd eaten it, man, did I have a stomachache. Man, did I feel sick. It's tempting to look at God's Word, the Bible, and read God's Word, the Bible. We just stood and did that. And listen to God's Word, and maybe even read all the way through God's Word in a year. How many of you are doing that? Can I see your hands? I want to check up on you. Okay, So some of you have gotten really far behind. Maybe you started off or maybe in here. Are you ready? Uh, I hereby give you permission uh, as the Grand Poobah of Walloon. You may join us today in Joshua. Okay, So if you're way behind and you're discouraged, just catch up. Go to Joshua 1 with us today because that's where we're at. Okay, But here, here's the problem. Just because you read God's Word doesn't mean that you've actually taken it in and digested it and allowed it to change you from the inside out. That, that's, what, that's what John is told to do. Take this prophecy, take God's word, eat it and swallow it and allow God's truth to take root in you. Matthew 4.4 4 tells us God's word is our bread. 1 Peter 2.2 says the Bible is our milk. Hebrews 5.14 says that Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, is our meat. So you tracking? God's Word is bread, it's milk, it's meat. It's eating God's Word, taking in God's Word, chewing on it, swallowing it, internalizing it, allowing its power and its contents to change me change you 
I remember a National Geographic special. I, I, I like watching those. And this one was on wolves. And it talked about mommy and daddy wolves, and now they've had pups. And now mommy and daddy, along with the rest of the pack, they would travel out, and they would go to get food for the pups. Okay? So they would travel, and um, we won't pick bunnies because some of you will cry. They, they, they couldn't catch the bunnies that day. Uh, so they found a real evil moose uh, and attacked and ate the evil moose okay, and filled their bellies full with moose meat. Um, but now they're 10 miles away. So we got a problem. Um, Mom and dad are full, but we got... 10 miles and they, and they travel back and now in the den are hungry pups. Uh, they did something really interesting. Any guesses what, what mommy and daddy wolf would do when they got back to the den? Uh, they would, uh, yeah, they would regurgitate their half-digested food and man, those puppies were happy because man, you brought it back and it's still hot. A nice warm meal for us. Thank you, mommy and daddy wolf. Uh, Listen close. If you're still new in Jesus, if you're still young in the Lord, it's appropriate, it's necessary for you to still feed off of somebody's feast. Um, it, it's okay that, that you still feed off of Sunday morning and Pastor Bob on Wednesday night. You feed off of Christian radio teachers or podcasts or what somebody else has written in a good Christian book. Um, are you ready? Listen close. But there needs to come a time when I'm not going to always rely on somebody else to regurgitate near me what they have studied, what they have chewed, what they have swallowed, what they have learned. you got to learn eventually to grow up and start feeding yourself. And I'll just suggest something, okay? Some of us, We've been puppies for a long time. You know, and oh yeah, come and throw up good stuff and I'll eat it and say thank you. But eventually it's time for you to grow up and learn how to chew and swallow and digest and interpret and apply God's word for yourself. Men, you need to do that in your family. You need to lead. Moms, you need to lead that as well with your children and yourself. Some of you need to do that so you can lead your community small group. Others of you, I need to learn that so I can help feed the children here in the children's ministry on Awana on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. I, I need to work with the teens. But you need to learn to feed and chew and, and take God's word and apply it to yourself so then you can do that for others. Make sense? Um, verse 2. Mighty angel has in his hand a small scroll. And now John is told, um, I want you to go and take that scroll from the angel, verse 9, and I want you to put it in your what? Take the scroll in your mouth and eat it. And, I, and I'm sure if I was there, I'd say, you want me to do what? Uh but he obeys, he does, and he instantly goes, in verse 9, he went and he said, uh, uh, 
can I have the scroll? And, and yeah, take it and, and eat it. And just like in Ezekiel chapter 2 and 3, the message that the scroll contained as John take, took it and he swallowed it and he internalized it, it, it was sweet in his mouth, but it gave him what? A sour stomach. Somebody said this is biblical Chinese food. It's a sweet and sour scroll. Uh, message of the gospel, it, it's sweet to us who know Jesus personally. Think with me. I believe in Jesus. I've been to the cross. Uh, I've, I believe that he arose from the dead. He's brought me eternal life. Uh, the mercy of Jesus cleansing me from my greatest problem. I'm a sinner. I'm telling you what, to live and walk daily with Jesus, that brings celebration and rejoicing to our lives, doesn't it? Think about it. That's why we, we stand and we worship with songs of praise and because it's sweet to be followers of Jesus. But that very same message, track with me, for those who reject Jesus, for those who say, no, thank you, I'm right, Jesus, you're wrong, they refuse to repent, they reject the mercy of Jesus, that very same message that we find so sweet is bitter and turns sour. Why? Because for those, if, if they die in that condition, if they say no thank you, they're going to face judgment and wrath. And it's going to be sour. And as wonderful as it is for us, who know Jesus personally, and it's glorious, and man, it's the best thing I've ever known, the flip side of the gospel is this. If you reject Jesus, the result is going to be hellish. It's going to be awful. It's going to be eternal. It's going to be eternally sad and awful for all who reject Jesus and his grace. Verse 11. John writes, Then, then I was told you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, kings. John's ordered, write it down, write it down, so you can declare to who? Peoples, nations, languages, kings. Write it down because a disaster is coming. Intense trauma and wrath is coming soon. Write it down. You need to be the agent of warning. Are you ready? And now that John has told us and made clear the prophecy to us, now it's our responsibility. And what are we supposed to do? Look at verse 11. Our duty, tell everybody, many peoples, many nations, languages, kings. That's why we've been given the book of Revelation. Why? Share the good news of Jesus with people that you love and care about. We have sweet news, do we not? It's the best news I've ever known. And I just want you to know this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And here's what he's done in my life and he'll do the same in yours. Let's just assume you got news, it's the middle of the night, and there's an F4 tornado heading towards your part of the county. Matter of fact, zeroing in, it looks like it's heading right into your neighborhood. Okay, it's the middle of the night, and you just happen to be up, and, and maybe you had the special radio, and now the emergency's gone off, and you know it's bad. F4 is over 200 miles an hour. It's coming into town, 
and it's looking like it'll smash. And the neighbors living next door, no lights on, sound asleep. So, so here's my question. Are you just going to hunker down and, and, and get down in the basement and, and do everything you can and just say, you know what, they're sleeping. You know, just let them sleep. I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure they're tired and, and they've got hard jobs and a hard life, so um, let's, just, let's just let them be and I don't want to disturb their good sleep. Is that how you'd feel? I, I would hope not. If you really cared for those people, if you really love them, you would go and you would be shouting and you would be pounding on doors. You would be pounding on windows and if that didn't raise them, you might even be looking for open windows because there's disaster coming their way. And if I really love them and if I really care, I can't just let them sleep. I just can't let them die. Listen closely. John has been given these words and he says now I want you to take the words out and, and I want you to go everywhere and tell people this sweet news the sweet news of Jesus Christ listen and if you're a follower of Jesus he's changed you and, and now he's replaced darkness and and gloom and all the ugliness of having no hope for eternity now I know Jesus personally and, and I've got joy and I've got peace and I've got this daily relationship with Jesus. Why on earth would we not share the best news we've ever heard with the people we say we care about? We say, oh yeah, I love, I love this family member and, and yet we won't wake them up. No, no, I, I don't want to talk about Jesus. Don't want to disturb, Really? Really? Do you really love them? Do you really care? Or are you just concerned about your stuff and, and how you'll look and your reputation? That's the problem. It's, it's, that's not love. Now, listen close. Give me your eyes. Of course we're going to talk about Jesus with grace and tact and kindness and love. So I, I hope you understand. I'm not saying we're rude and, and, and we just shove stuff. No, no. But we look for opportunities because I love this person enough. I care about this neighbor enough. I don't want this sour judgment rolling down on them and them not knowing what's coming their way. We have the words of life. We know Jesus, which means we know peace, we know joy, we know love, and we know eternal life that starts today and goes on for all of eternity. So, if we've got these facts of life, here, here's my question, who around you needs you to care enough, to love enough, to start praying for opportunities to speak up about the disaster that's heading their way? Well, I, I really don't know if they're Christians or not. Um, guess how you'll find out. Guess how you'll know. And, and, and I'm not saying go in there with a ton of bricks and fire and brimstone. I'm saying go and share what Jesus has done in your life. Point at yourself. Here's where I was, and here's where I am now, and look what Jesus did for me, and he'll do the same for you with grace in love, intact. Would you pray for me this week?
that that message will stick and on Wednesday when I have opportunity to speak up I'll remember and, and on Friday when I have opportunity to speak up I'll have the courage and the boldness and the tact and the love and the grace and the wisdom to speak clearly and would you be willing to start praying for the people around you who you need to speak up to who you need to share the best news you've ever heard isn't that the best thing that's ever happened to any of us? So, of course, and I know if the people that I say I care and love about, if they don't, this bad stuff is coming their way. I don't want that sour, bitter judgment reigning. I care about them. I love them. Lord, I'm going to start praying for opportunities. I'll pray for you if you'll pray for me. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. There are people around you who, the best you can tell, and I get it, we're not their ultimate judge. We will not be the one who decides they're in heaven or hell. That's God's job. But we can be fruit inspectors, and we can tell if uh, someone around us behaves and has the fruit of a follower of Jesus or behaves and has the fruit of someone who doesn't have Jesus and his spirit alive and active in their life. So Lord, my prayer is that this next week you'd wake us up to the people around us who need to hear from us the sweetest words, the sweetest message, the sweetest person, your son Jesus Christ, that we've ever known. And Lord, we say we care about them, we say we love them, but the truth is we show whether we really care or we love by how we speak and behave. So Lord, I'm praying that you might provoke us to action. Lord, show us, first of all, someone around us who needs us to speak up about you too. Make it clear right now. Give us that, that person's face right now in our minds. And Lord, help us to start lifting them up before you daily in this week ahead, in this month ahead. And Lord, I, I pray that you might give us opportunities then to speak up and be your missionary, to be your ambassador, to represent you well to these folks around us that we, we really do care about, Lord. We really do love. So help us, Lord, to back up that care and that love with sharing about you. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you for Revelation 10. Thank you for uh, the response of John. And uh, Lord, he swallowed it, and then he has been that missionary. He, he has prophesied, and, and Revelation 10 has gone out throughout the world. So Lord, help us to go out to our world. May Jesus shine bright in us. And we pray all of these things in the amazing name, the awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. A um, couple things. That green insert, we really would like to hear from you. So if you're willing, please fill that out for us. And uh, 
we'll, you can hand it to me. There's a table back there. You can put that in. Um, would you uh, introduce yourself if you don't know somebody near you? Um, they come here today. Make them feel welcome. Make them feel uh, glad that they came today. And uh, we'll be in Revelation chapter 11 next Sunday. Thanks for coming. You're dismissed. <laughs>